0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Columbus, Ohio. Welcome into a Letterman Row offseason breakdown video. I'm not really sure how to describe these. They're not a rapid reaction, fellas. Not a practice report. Uh, but it's officially the offseason, and it's been a busy-ish first week of the offseason for Ryan Day, Ohio State, getting back from a devastating, crushing Peach Bowl loss uh, to Georgia, 42-41, down in Atlanta. Uh, we made our way back to Columbus, uh, all three of us now. Back in the comfort of the greatest city on the earth, uh, but that's the 40-year vet Tim May. That's Andy Backstrom. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Uh, Tim, it's been a busy week. Two couple transfers out, uh, transfer in, huge transfer in. I might add. We'll get into all of that later. Uh, you report a little bit on Ryan Day and play calling duties. Uh, huh. Just overall thoughts this first few days as they try to as Ohio State tries to set the tone for what should be in. Intriguing, interesting, crazy offseason for the Ohio State
1: Buckeyes. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite shows on uh, television is Gold Rush. You know, I like that part where they pan, you know, to see uh, <clears throat> to see if they're see if this uh, ground is worth uh, mining. And uh, right now, this is the panning stage. I think uh, waiting to see um, who's gonna who's gonna be sticking around for uh, for 2023 number one, and uh, who's gonna just pop up. You know, the the as they call them the colors, you know, that show up when you're panning for gold. And I know I went a little too deep, pardon the expression, uh, into that uh, analogy, but that's what it feels like right now is uh, I'm not sure, as I look at the guys who are leaving, Javante Jean-Baptiste, for example, has a lot of experience. I'm not sure we ever saw the best of him. If we did, then maybe, uh, you know, it is time to move on. now J.K. Johnson, though, uh, there's a guy that I thought, well, he has played. He started, you know, played a game, and and I thought had ability here. Uh, where where he sees a greener pasture is going to be interesting because, you know, it's it's really funny now when guys uh, transfer. If it's guys who've never played, you kind of go whatever. But if it's guys who played a little bit, now you're wondering where was that carrot dangling? You know, that took them into the transfer portal to then move on out to where that carrot is dangling. So I think we're all interested to see where a couple of these guys show up. But uh, J.K. Johnson, I I don't know if you all agree or not. I think he's the biggest, to this point, loss in the transfer portal. Do you agree?
2: Andy? Yeah, I would say so at this point. I mean, if you look at it, Javante, just that rotation of defensive linemen, there's so many getting snaps. It's almost a given that someone's going to have to leave, given the talent they have coming up. Um, I mean, Caden Curry is another guy that is, is probably going to get a lot of snaps next year. Obviously, you have JT Tui who's still there. And there's just loaded depth on the defensive line. So I think it's inevitable that you're going to have at least one guy leave that position group. Uh, for, for the quarterback position, it is really interesting because that's a group that struggled all year, not only with play, but also just injuries. And J.K. was thrust into that role. And you kind of get the impression that, yes, you know, he stepped up in spots, but also struggled in spots. And, and maybe that was his best shot to show what he had. And maybe it, it just simply really wasn't enough. So, so maybe it was a situation where, you know, that was an audition and maybe it didn't go quite as well as it needed to. And now he's getting to to look for another destination to show what he can do.
0: And it wasn't always guaranteed, Tim, uh, as you know, we heard last offseason. A lot of people were on the Ohio State sphere heard last offseason season. It wasn't necessarily guaranteed that JK Johnson would be around for two years. Yeah. And so it was always interesting that he was getting more playing time and developing and had that good spring that catapulted into it, him into five starts. I know that was injury aided from other guys, but you yeah. know, it it was always almost like a ticking clock on JK Johnson just because uh I'm I'm not sure if the talent was obviously a fit, the program fit. I'm just not sure if it was quite there. And I, I think it was more on JK's part than, than the Ohio state part on whether he was going to be around for the long-term at Ohio state. And so it's just an interesting timing when you think back and say, okay, this guy started five games. He's probably got a future here. And then he's yeah. he in the portal to a lot of people. That's like, Whoa, what's going on there. But I wouldn't say the writing was on the wall, but there was always a possibility, I guess, of JK Johnson taking that, that leap and, and going into the portal. Yeah. I, My big thing, Tim, is it leaves this cornerback room almost the same spot that it was in last August when you said, oh, there's only six guys. Two of them are hurt right now, and you've got a a walk-on taking first-team reps when we get open practice, and I think it was Lloyd McFarquhar because there was no other corner that was healthy to play. And so you lose Cameron Brown for sure. Excuse me. Now you lose J.K. Johnson. You lose Lloyd
1: McFarquhar.
0: Yeah, and then – and then you gain two cornerbacks in the 2023 recruiting cycle who Ohio State is immensely excited about. I know Tim Walton is through the roof excited trying to get these guys on campus. Those guys are going to be good. I think they're going to be really special in Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson. Hunt. But you were at six scholarship guys. You lose two, you gain two, and you're still at six. And so I think this the cornerback position is one absolutely to watch uh, to build depth there. As yeah. you go into next offseason or next season, uh, whether that be through the transfer portal or the late signing period, I don't see it being that late signing period. So it might be transfer portal time for Ohio state to add in that quarterback room.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, you know, and I've already established, I think uh, in a video with Matt Parker, who my favorite player is probably in the incoming class is Calvin Simpson hunt, because number, number one, I love his name. And number two, he's from Waxahachie, Texas. And it's like, I told him, man, uh, i'm from lufkin texas uh but if there's one town i, I wish i could have been from it's Waxahachie because it sounds like such a it's a cool name i've been there a couple of times like i said they filmed the the movie tender mercies with robert duvall etc from there a long time ago and uh, but but the bottom of, but boy you watch a video that uh, matt parker has posted on our at, at LettermanRoad.com and on three.com uh from the all-american game practices i mean I mean, yeah, every, everybody coming out of high school needs some spit polish. That is for sure. And, um, and more, more teaching, so to speak, more tutoring, but boy, he's got the feet, man. Watch him. Uh, And I'm not gushing. I mean, because you know, like Denzel Burke, if a guy is good enough at corner and there's a need there, you can, you can elevate quickly. Uh, And I, there's a guy definitely I've got my eye on because I think he's got all the talent in the world. and, And that was a big get. I do believe in this recruiting class as it's turning out uh, for Ohio State and uh, Tim Walton.
0: Absolutely. And, Andy, like Jair Brown got a start this year. Uh, J.K. Johnson had five starts. You've got two true freshmen coming in who would like to start, but it it appears that this cornerback depth chart is sorting itself out with Denzel Burke, who's now going to be a third-year starter. The expectations will be very high for him despite a second year that wasn't the greatest. And Jordan Hancock, if he can stay healthy, they Ohio State truly believes he could be the next in that long line of the BIA first-round cornerbacks. Uh, so it, it seems like this depth chart. Yeah, you know, wait a minute. Let me
1: interrupt you. There's a guy. That's a guy for, you know, as we're sitting here talking, I said there's a guy, and, I, I'm, you know, I'm 68, so I forget some things sometimes. But Jordan Hancock, man, we're talking about an elite, in my opinion, when he's healthy, possible player. I think you agree with me on that, don't you?
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah. Don't, don't that's just not
1: for the people who are listening to this. No, no, <laughs> I
2: mean, that's where this comes in, right? Like, it could have been JK's decision, but it also could have been just seeing the situation that it is. He did have yeah. starts, he did have a chance to prove himself. But let's be honest, this year for Jordan Hancock and Denzel Burke was kind of a wash considering all the injuries, and they didn't play particularly well, but that's also because they weren't particularly healthy. And maybe the staff sees it as, well, those are the guys of the future, plus the two freshmen you guys mentioned that they're very high on. And maybe the, the bottom line is that there wasn't going to be much more of an opportunity for JK to get starting time. And maybe that's what he wanted. I'm not sure exactly, but that could very well be the case. And so that's just something else to consider that they, they maybe just believe in the talent they have in that room. And I don't think we got a very fair look at Denzel or Jordan this year and what they were dealing with in with the injuries that they had throughout the season so I think yes the cornerback room is certainly a question I wouldn't be surprised if they get one more transfer just to to bolster that secondary but I do think that they're probably a little bit more content with this room than than we think they are yeah and
1: Denzel Burke man you know yeah I, I don't believe in I mean well superstitious uh karma whatever you want to call it but the sophomore jinx hit him hard, you know. I mean, from an injury standpoint, from missing most of preseason camp to the to the broken bone in his hand that he tried to play with. And, you know, I mean, I'm not giving him any excuses, but they the sophomore jinx is uh you know, has earned that reputation for a reason and stuff. I expect a big bounce back from him uh this coming year. I don't know if y'all agree or not, but uh but you're right. I mean, just when you you know, we put a lot of and and rightfully so, because I mean they spent a lot of time and effort. And and money in recruiting players uh, like a J.K. Johnson, and when they leave, it is a loss in the uh, in the lost column. I mean, it is a check mark in the lost column. But but sometimes it, we're prone. I'm talking about we people are prone to pay more attention to the guy leaving than the, than the guy coming in the door, etc. And I, I I think they're better. I think they're better uh, situated at that position, like you pointed out, Andy maybe some people think uh, as they head into the spring.
0: It's just it's just a matter of of that room being thin. I know that they'll be. I think they'll be more talented next year at yeah. corner.
1: I'm just talking about talent. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think <laughs> they'll be more talented. But I I also think that you know we've seen we've seen a, a not not really a I don't think it's an indictment on anyone in the program, but they've they're going to have to look at we've seen some soft tissue injuries with these high level athletes at Ohio State. Um, You know, whether that's Jackson Smith and Jig, but the cornerback room had some soft tissue stuff. So I just think that, you know, if you go into another season with six corners, you just have to be prepared that, you know, uh, you're going to go to Purdue next year, throws the ball. You're going to go to Notre Dame, who's going to add a quarterback who wants to throw the ball. You're going to go to Wisconsin, who just hired Phil Longo, wants to throw the ball. You're going to play J.J. McCarthy, who wants to throw the ball. You're going to play Drew Aller at Penn State. He will throw the ball downfield. If you're going to return to the college football playoff, you have to have a good secondary next year, which leads me to the next talking point. Great segue, Spencer. Thank you very much. Uh, the Buckeyes added Jihad Carter. Wait, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. Did you just pat yourself on the back?
0: Yeah, who's to say, Tim? We'll, we'll, yeah, go we'll, ahead. We'll, we'll have to look at the film. I can't say yet. Uh, but, you know, Ohio State added Jihad Carter, the, a three-year playmaker from Syracuse over, you know, a a really, really solid player. I think he's played 22 games in three years. He started for the Orange in 2022 in a secondary that was considered one of the best secondaries in the ACC. Uh, Andy can can talk about that a little bit because, you know, of his ACC roots. uh, But this is a guy – this is a guy who – I don't mean to sound like Chris Collinsworth, but but here's a guy who who can really make an impact in this safety room. I think he's got the tools to come in and start, whether that be with Lathan Ransom, whether that be with Cameron Martinez and Sonny Styles, who Kai Stokes, whoever's going to start in that safety room is going to have to to compete with Jahad Carter because I think he is an instant impact transfer for Ohio State. It would not take a veteran like this if it didn't think he could come in and start and be a difference maker and try to help that secondary get to a national championship level. I'm really excited to see what Jim Knowles and Perry Eliano have in store for Jihad Carter, because I think he's a really talented player, and he's a huge get for Ohio State to set the tone that, hey, if there's a place to improve in the transfer portal, the Buckeyes are going to do it this offseason. They're not going to be uh, timid about the portal as much as they were in years past.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like watching John Carter's video. I mean, here's a guy that's now played on the college level. You know exactly what it was about. He was a, quote, three-star coming in. But that's, you know, uh, who cares? Who, who cares what the, that that ranking was probably wrong? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes guys prove rankings correct. Sometimes uh, guys prove them wrong. I think he's proven that wrong. I think he can definitely help. He will definitely get a look because of his experience, etc. But, guys, when, when uh, Ryan Day talks about, possibly and it's probably more of a probably than a possibly giving up the play calling duties so he can be more of a and this is my word more of a classic head coach meaning have his have his eyeballs on everything as urban meyer said on urban's take this week that we did you know it's it's hard to be a play caller because you got to be so involved with that offense it's hard to be that guy but also keeping a big time eye on what's going on defensively especially when there are things going on defensively that have that have bothered you maybe for several years and uh the giving up the big play bit them again uh in the game against georgia they win that game i mean uh easier said than done i know uh but uh but the bottom line is uh ryan day wants to be more involved on that aspect of the game about being able to step in and going hey i really don't like what's going on here you understand what i'm saying remember when he hired uh um, Jim Knowles, he hired him as the head coach of the defense. Ryan Day was the head coach of the offense. Mickey Moratti's the head coach of the uh, what do you want the uh, strength and conditioning, and Mark Pantone's the head coach of recruiting. I guess Parker Fleming's the head coach of special teams, right? But I think Ryan Day now wants to be the head coach. And with that said, he knows their Achilles. He when I asked him after the game, did it cut you cut you to the core? That again, the big plays, especially the big pass plays, at the at the wrong times uh, hurt you. And he goes absolutely. I mean, and I'm paraphrasing there, but that's exactly what he meant. And uh, so, uh, Jihad Carter, Jihad Carter's is a guy that they can possibly plug and play there. But they got to get something done in that secondary in one-on-one type coverage situations. I think you agree with me there. And uh, uh, the spring is going to be interesting because it's almost going to mean and we'll talk about this in a later uh podcast i'm sure but uh it's almost going to mean all hands on deck we got to see who is the best you know what i mean and get after it i didn't mean to go off on that tangent but that's that's definitely getting that part of the defense fixed is the prime uh objective of ryan day in the next uh eight months
2: Look, Jahad, Jahad Carter can ball. There, there's no question about it. And if you think about this secondary and the safeties, as good as Lathan Ransom and Ronnie Hickman played at times this year, they just were not good at the end of the season. Those last two games against Michigan and then Georgia, they really were a pain point of this secondary. And, you know, Lathan Ransom will be back. Um, and and Ronnie Hickman is on his way to the NFL. So there will be a slot open there, depending on, you know, as Spencer was saying, who's going to take that spot. It could very well be Jihad Carter, just considering his coverage skills. And that's what sticks out to me. I've watched him in the ACC, watching what he did this year. And I think there's something to be said about a lot of Syracuse players transferring this year. And uh, he's really the only one so far that's taken a step up to a program of a higher prestige. And I think that says a lot about a player going from, you know, like a mid-tier ACC school to taking the jump to a school like Ohio State. There's a reason that happens. Sometimes it shows up on paper. Sometimes it doesn't and it's more in the film room and coaches are seeing something. They don't just offer a guy like that for no reason. There's something that he's done. And and when you look at his coverage skills, that's what sticks out to me. He only allowed one touchdown this year, had three interceptions. He had two pass breakups aside from that. Uh, At Clemson, he played his best game. He had an interception and he also had a 90 yard scoop and score. So this is a guy who has a nose for the ball. Uh, He's around the ball a lot, and he's good in coverage. And I think for Ohio State, that's the biggest thing right now is having safeties who can cover. Because quite frankly, there were times, you know, everyone looks at the Lathan Ransom tripping and falling. You know, that's going to happen at times, right? But there's other plays in that game in the Peach Bowl where there was just way too much space that Georgia's receivers had to make plays, yards after the catch, just whether it was Ronnie Hickman being turned around or, or guys losing their step. I think, Henry McAllister. yeah, exactly. Those are plays where you need a guy who can can keep pace with these wide receivers and can, can cover well and, and know how to jump routes and, and be able to be a disruptor back there. And I think that's who Jihad Carter is.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting because like you said, Tim, uh, kind of combining what both of you said, Tim, this spring is going to show who's really the best of the best. Luckily for Ohio State, there's two transfer windows. So not only are you going to get you know, you get Jihad Carter to get him into the spring and get him acclimated to the system because you know he can play and be as good as the safeties that you have on the roster and and push them to be better and, and probably lift the ceiling of that entire room. But then, Andy, you talked about how Ohio State needs to get better. Well, if you get to watch the spring and see, okay, this is who we have that we're very confident in. This is a position that we're not confident in. Well, now you can go back to the portal in May uh, after spring practice, after a couple, of probably more departures from Ohio State, I would expect um, because both of those transfer windows will be active. I think Ohio State will have some departures, not only Javante Jean Baptiste and J.K. Johnson, but some guys in the spring who who see their position on the depth chart in the spring and decide to to go to to personal greener pastures. So there will be opportunities for Ohio State to to evaluate itself in the spring, like you said, Tim, and get better, like you said, Andy. Uh, you know, in that May period. And I think that's going to be crucial for this program is to find a new way to attack the portal because you you can't simply say, okay, we were so close to a national championship. We got to get better on defense. Oh, here's a new recruiting class. Those are true freshmen. You've got to find who are going to help you win a national championship next year, because I got news for you. If Ryan day loses to Notre Dame or Penn state or Michigan next year, it's going to be the same exact talking point we had after the Michigan game this year. And you go to Ann Arbor, you go to South Bend, again, you go to West Lafayette, a place that hasn't been kind to, to Ohio State, you go to Madison to face Luke Fickle in a new in a new program. This is one of the hardest schedules I've seen for Ohio State in a long time. And yeah. it comes at a critical, critical juncture in Ryan Day's tenure. I think he understands that, and that's why he's ready to be a CEO. He's ready to attack the portal in a new way. He's ready to add a guy like Jihad Carter, despite the fact that he's got some really talented guys coming into that room or emerging in sunny styles, and Cameron Martinez is going to be better if Lathan Ransom chooses to come back. You know, the, the guys that they recruited, they're really excited I about.
1: Stokes. Them.
0: Yeah, they're really excited about those guys, but at the same time, if you can get a three-year starter at an ACC program that's got – three interceptions, and played his best game against a program like Clemson, go get him because that's going to be your path to the national championship, not not relying on a, a second-year or a first-year player to really step in and make an impact. So I just think that that we're starting to see a shifting philosophy for Ohio State in the transfer portal. I think it starts with Jihad Carter, and I think it's going to continue into the May period. At the same time, I think this program is setting itself up for an intriguing, intriguing next two months before spring practice kicks off.
1: I agree uh and I'm telling you uh I'm telling you the focus is going to be on the secondary because if you're going to play this style of defense I mean yeah the easy thing is always keep a safety over the top you know what we see that bite them uh the last two games of the year when there wasn't a safety over the top to to take care of a a mistake underneath you know uh whether Jim Knowles can even go that route, you know, I guess we're going to find out. I'm sure if I'm getting $2 million, $1.9 dollars million a year, I would, I would, I would pretty much go whatever route the head coach wants me to go. You, you understand what I'm saying there? Uh, but the bottom line is that the system has got to get tweaked a little bit, uh, just on the way they're they're the way they want these guys to play, the way they're be, maybe be even being taught to play. Uh, but because you know, I talked with a couple of guys I had Matt Wilhelm on my podcast this week and talked about just the sort of the poor technique on that one play. And this isn't singling a guy out, but it was a huge play. Uh, Lathan Ransom's poor technique from the beginning on that play from a coverage standpoint, and then he slips. Uh, a lot of times you slip because you've had poor technique, et cetera. And it's, like I said, it's not laying on one guy, but when it's one-on-one, it is one guy. You know what I mean? And, uh, and that's where they've really got to get better is in those one-on-one matchups because Jim Knowles wants to play aggressive, Uh, Ryan day wants an aggressive defense to match his aggressive offense. We all, we all know that. So, but they've got to get better at those individual skills and, uh, we'll see where that goes. You know, with that said real quick, I don't know if we're going to go here or not, but I'm whatever. I've looked at this play now at least a hundred times. There should have been at least a personal foul called when Marvin Harrison jr got hit at, in the back of the end zone. He got hit in the uh, head, uh, neck, up, upper shoulder, neck, head, neck, and re- uh, and head region. I think I've said that four times now in a different way. What, what, as y'all have looked back on that, has that bothered you, that such a crucial play, such a crucial player, and number one, the flag was picked up, and number two, uh, the player was lost for the rest of the game when Ohio State seemed to have control of that game because it happened in the back. Of the Georgia end zone, has that bothered y'all? Andy, go ahead. Yeah, I think it. I think
2: what bothers me most is that we don't really understand what is targeting right. and what isn't targeting. Because going forward, I mean, there was another call in the TCU Michigan game as well that that raised questions. And you know, on college football's biggest day of the year, there was serious questions about what does that rule mean and when is it called and when will it be called in the future. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is just the clarity going forward of you know, what is targeting, what isn't. Um, I think there might need to be a little bit more review in, into how we define it. I, I certainly thought it it looked like that. Um, it's unfortunate that that was a play that had such an effect on the game, given that Marvin couldn't come back to the game. And, and certainly that played a role down the stretch. Now, of course, there's so many things that happen in a game. You can't point to that and be like, well, that's, that's why they lost. Uh, but I agree that it is unfortunate that that happened. And, and obviously you want to see the best players on the field when it matters most. And I think most importantly, I, I just hope that they clear it up and, and figure out going forward, how this can not be so controversial and a little bit more clear cut of what is and what isn't targeting.
1: Well, what bothered me was where, how Marvin got hit. Uh, and number two, how the player wasn't making a play on the ball. He was making a play on Marvin. You know what I mean? That's, that's what bothered me. And I don't, and, uh, I don't know from the replay standpoint, I think they've got to incorporate some kind of thing where the, the, the official, I guess the official called targeting, there was no targeting in their opinion. You can make, you know, he didn't, he didn't necessarily hit him with his head first, but he did hit him in the He hit Marvin Harrison in the head because Marvin Harrison jr. Didn't just develop a uh, concussion from falling down. Uh, and number three, like I go back to, he wasn't playing the ball. He was playing Marvin. And, I thought that was where the defining point was supposed to be in all of this when they redefined uh, that that whole situation. What do you think, Spence?
0: I think that it's it was an unfortunate play that happened. I think that the slant route to Xavier Johnson on the last drive of the game that would have put Ohio State maybe 12 yards further down the field uh, goes the other way had Marvin Harrison Jr. been on the receiving end of that because – Georgia would not have been playing that kind of press coverage against Marvin the way they were against Xavier. No offense to Xavier Johnson at all. Yeah, and
1: throw this little tidbit here. Marvin would have made a move toward the ball, too. He understood. He would have understood. the Xavier, I think, played his rear end off in that game. But Marvin is such a classic big-time receiver. He understands the idea of separation, of first position and then separation. Yeah, there are all kinds of ways that impacted the game. Uh, from that moment on when Marvin Harrison Jr. was no longer available.
0: Yeah, and I think that if there are three people on this Ohio State in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center right now who would like to replay the fourth quarter of the Georgia game, it would be Jim Knowles, Noah Ruggles, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Two of them will be back next year, which leads me to the end of the show. Two of them will be back into this offseason. Jim Knowles, who has a lot of questions to answer and has to really improve uh you know the way that he's going to do things and and the personnel on the field who's doing those things if Ohio State's going to win a national championship next year with a reset roster and then Marvin Harrison Jr if the Bolitnikoff snub didn't didn't fuel a fire uh like we think it did then not being able to play in the fourth quarter and seeing the impact that it had against Georgia absolutely will and no matter who's throwing it Tim you and I could throw in the ball and I think Marvin Harrison Jr is going to have a lot to say about yeah the national yeah. championship race next year, especially with his high school quarterback potentially throwing it to him. So a lot to discuss. We've got uh, almost nine entire – or almost eight entire months until Ohio State-Indiana kickoff. We are going to have full coverage of it the entire way, wire to wire. Can I
1: ask the- one more thing? Because I love your wrap-ups now. Can I ask one more thing? No. Uh, if you're quick. No. And it's not long. I just want you all to give me a yes or no. Do you think there's a clear-cut favorite for the starting quarterback job as we sit here right now? Yes. Just yes or no? Yes. Yes. Who is it?
0: It's Kyle McCord.
1: You agree, Andy?
0: Yeah. I'm telling you,
1: Devin Brown, man, he's going to make a push. That's all I'll say. Go ahead, now.
2: (laughs) We'll see in the spring. I mean, I I think that's why, you know, Kyle McCord's taking those backup snaps for a reason and and getting the time he did in fourth quarters for a reason. Obviously, they they didn't unroll the whole playbook for him, but he has been there and waited his turn. I at least think it's his job to lose going into spring versus it being truly truly open i'm sure they'll say it's open but i would think that it's kyle's to lose okay we'll
1: talk about that i'm sure on another podcast the whole podcast
0: <laughs> then, then we've got eight months we're not going to unload the entire clip on this.
1: right okay. right i just wanted to throw that out there just uh yeah i don't know why i did that i'm just this is going to be fun to watch is what i'm saying i hope we get to oh we get to watch some of it if you follow my drift but go ahead i'm sorry
0: well, lucky for you, Tim, and lucky for everybody, you have a podcast to discuss it on at least once a week. Whenever you'd like to publish an episode, just let me know, and we'll get it out online. So you got it for the 40-year vet, Tim May, for Andy Backstrom, this is going to be an absolutely bananas offseason. The first week was already fun. Uh, out the door, Javante Jean-Baptiste and J.K. Johnson. In the door, Jahad Carter, talented Syracuse, former Syracuse safety, now Ohio State safety. Uh, Brian Day, play calling, question mark. Jim Knowles, answers to questions, question mark. Uh, A lot to discuss, a lot to break down, starting quarterback, question mark, uh, as we do it all year round and all offseason at LettermanRoe.com. Come hang out with us at the Letterman Lounge message board. Come chat with us. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We will see you back here all offseason for more coverage of the Ohio State football team at LettermanRoe.com.